As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Well, I think it might be the nerves ahead of a tricky tie with Borussia Dortmund, but everyone's heads appear to have fallen off at the defeat against Leeds. <laughs> so let's calm everyone down on this week's Why Always Us. This is the Athletics Manchester City podcast. I'm David Mooney, and I'm joined, as ever, by the Athletics City correspondent, Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hello. I'm here to tell everybody what to think again. Yeah, we're, we're just just everybody calm down. That's all. We, that's all we need you to do. Um, you can right. you can subscribe to the Athletic right now for a special price of three pounds ninety nine a month for six months. That's forty percent off the full price of a subscription. You get access to great analysis and in depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad free versions of all the podcasts as well. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod to get this special forty percent discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. Um, Sam, I, I, I was really, really surprised at the reaction to uh, the defeat on Saturday because when when the lineup was announced, and I, and I don't want to get into like the, the lineup Twitter side of things because that that annoys me anyway. Um, but when I when I when I saw the lineup, I was like, this this just screams rotated team disjointed performance. Yeah, and like it's it wasn't a shock really. I mean, it, I'm trying to go back to the the end of the Dortmund game and people were saying. City looked tired anyway. Um, and uh, Yeah, it's it's not a shock because if we go back to the West Ham game when City didn't play well at all, but they won, you know, I, I talked about how they'd managed to rest four or five maybe really good players, key players, and give minutes to four or five players who hadn't played a lot. You know, Aguero, Jesus, Torres, De Bruyne was just back. Um, Fulham was obviously an exercise in playing anybody that hadn't played a lot and finding a system to make that work. And it was pretty bad in the first half, but, you know, they did did the job in the second half. And even Leicester last week was, well, everyone who played internationals is not going to play, more or less. Um, so then with all that in mind, yeah, it was, it was quite inevitable, I suppose, that there were going to be changes against Leeds. Um, like Diaz played three games for Portugal and then he played against Leicester, then he played against Dortmund. De Bruyne played twice for Belgium, but then he played those two games for City. And even like the others, it wasn't quite the same for, for Mares and Foden and, and Walker. But it's not only is it Dortmund coming up and it's such a huge game, but it leads. It wasn't passing the ball around and having a bit of a stroll to a 5 0 win against Burnley, you know, where, where City are very much in charge of dictating the tempo of the game. Guardiola said a couple of weeks ago, Leeds are the worst team you could possibly think of facing in between two Champions League quarterfinals or semifinals, I would imagine, or last 16 games, just because of how much running they make you do. Like It just wouldn't have made sense to go with uh, to go with that many of the stronger players. And I mean, it, it might not be the best listening experience, this podcast, because the people, I think there were obviously a lot of people annoyed at the rotation, but obviously me and you were on the same page. Yeah. So it might sound a little like, I don't know, pre- well, certainly preaching to the choir when we're talking to each other. But I do I, I do have a little question about that, though. Uh, just just because, I, I mean, part of me, I can't shake the feeling out of my head a little bit that, uh, and, I, and I don't sub- subscribe to like predeterminism theory or anything like that, but I can't, I can't shake the feeling that Guardiola 
insane for weeks and weeks and weeks the worst team that you could want to face in between these two ties is Leeds if then it kind of became a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in that it, it built Leeds up and it, it kind of put that doubt into City's minds sort of thing uh, oh maybe interesting I think I think that's been a, th- a thing at Anfield I've had that theory about Anfield over the last couple of years obviously it's, it's difficult enough uh, City City know that obviously but um I, remember, I just remember the last year in the November when it was 3-1 and Angelino played. I remember Angelino said something after the game. He was like, Anfield is the most difficult stadium in the world. And I was like, well, that's a fair point. But also it just sounds like something that Guardiola's been telling them all week. Yeah. And it's and it's got into their heads. Um, I know that, I think I've written this before, but I know that Guardiola, when he came to City, um, obviously at Barca and at Bayern, they had such like big players used to winning European Cups and winning the league all the time and like big egos and stuff. He had to say, lads, look, this is Granada, this is um, Paderborn or whatever. They can really hurt us because he needed to make sure his big stars, you know, big ego players were was, was switched on. But when he got to City, he found that the more he was saying, guys, this is this is Ronald Koeman's Everton, they're really good. He he thought that he was like scaring his own players a bit. So he, so he actually kind of switched tack a bit and tried to build up in the minds of the City players, how good they actually were. Yeah. And find that balance. So, I mean, there, there's there's part of that. But I, um, at the end of the day, it wasn't like... Well, City were poor, poor, poor they, weren't, they weren't great. Um, well, they, but I mean, they, only, they went back to crossing it. That's the thing. Yeah, they did go back to crossing it. But, um, like, I, I tweeted this yesterday, but weirdly, I've ended up being more concerned about the Dortmund first game because although they won, the performance, you know, there was, a, there was a few little things in there to be like, ooh, then how much further they're going to go. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't bothered about the defeat to Leeds and I wasn't bothered about going back to crossing because this, this isn't a team we're going to see again. And if we do see it again, it's going to be because City are in the Champions League semi-finals and because the league, the lead at the top of the table is like eight or nine points again. Well, that, I like, mean, this is the other... they've now lost this margin, he's not going to pick a team like that again, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. It'll go back, it'll go back to like it was in 2018-19. When, like, if anything, he picked the kind of weaker team against Spurs in the Champions League, kept it tight so he could win at, at Palace. He's not going to let the league go by um, resting a load of players now. Now they've lost. That's it was not. It's not going to happen again unless things are really safe again in about a month's time. Well, I was going to say that because like nobody can be surprised that Guardiola has used the leeway that he had because that that 2018-19 season is is the is the shining example of that. That Spurs game was the only game where he had any sort of leeway in that running because he could afford to lose it as long as it's games. a narrow. Yeah, it's two games. He's got the second leg to, to to make the difference up. And I mean, as much as people can say that first leg not City out, that equalised in the in the second leg after two minutes, wasn't it? So it's like it, like things were back to like. It was almost oh, like playing yeah, one game. So, yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Like, people are going to say, look, if City don't beat Dortmund, people are going to say, oh, well, he shouldn't have rested. That's not how it works. Like, the decision to me to rest players for Dortmund is entirely sensible. And whatever happens against Dortmund, the Leeds game is, is irrelevant now. The decision was made to rest players to make sure they're at their best for a big game. Full stop. And it's a bit like that Spurs game. Like, yeah, you could argue that the approach at Spurs ended up knocking them out. But um, I think in that bid to, to keep things tight because the other context of that was City, I can't even remember who they played in the previous round. Was it Schalke when they won 3-2 but they were really bad in Germany and then they won the second leg like 7-0. Yeah, but they I were really so. bad in Germany. Really open and that was this, that was the Lyon season when Lyon had beaten them and they, they, Lyon were better than City in France but it was 2-all. Every season's the Lyon season, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, very true. And obviously they're hoping it's not going to be this season either. But like, the whole thing, even now, like when we talked about last week, them being patient and not being gung-ho, it's City over these five years have become or tried to become a more patient, circumspect side in these big games. And that goes all the way back to that first Spurs game. Part of the context was Guardiola thinking, we can't just open up and let them hit us on the break. Uh, and part of it was, we can't lose to Crystal Palace on Sunday or we can't draw to Crystal Palace on Sunday. So what we're going to do is this. And we're going to yeah, keep it tight and, and rest players. And again, maybe it did end up knocking them out. You could argue that. But I think the logic in that Spurs first leg was fine. And again, obviously, they missed a penalty. City missed a penalty. Um, Spurs had how many shots? I mean, that might have been the only shot on target they had. Um, it kind of worked. Like It kind of worked. And obviously, if the second leg hadn't have been so mad... And so open, yeah. Um, 
Obviously, we're, we're raking up old graves here, but it, I think it is relevant to now. Yeah. And just the whole, you know, this is how you manage a squad. I, I mean, I can't even believe it's a conversation, really. And I'm sure, to go to go back to what I was saying at the start about, there's probably people listening to this who are pissed off about the rotation, or at least thought maybe just play De Bruyne and Foden rather than, you know, rest them all. Um, there's probably a lot of people who think, who like agree with us and think it, it made complete sense. But I don't know, it just, I, I can't believe it's a, it's a talking point, really. Uh, obviously, if City had won, then nobody would be bothered. Um, obviously, they, did, they didn't win because they didn't play well. If City get knocked out on Wednesday, though, though, does that does that negate what he did the, the weekend? No. No, no, no. Like I just said, like the decision. Like, there's they like if City win as well. So by the same token, if City win, there'll be loads of headlines about vindication or whatever. It's, it's completely irrelevant. And if Guardiola w- w- wins, if they win, and Guardiola's asked, "Oh, does that vindicate your?" Rest your changes at the weekend. He'll be like, no, it's got nothing to do with it. I'm sure he will say it's got nothing to do with that. Um, but and by the same token, if they go out, then it doesn't make the Leeds defeat any worse. Like like I said, the logic to rest players against Leeds for Dortmund makes sense no matter what. Like surely City are better off playing Dortmund with their players who've had a bit of a rest, especially because some of them played so many games in the international break. Like it just. And it's not just Dortmund, is it? It's Chelsea after. So they would have had Leicester and then but particularly Dortmund, high intensity, very tense game. Uh, Leeds, high intensity game. Dortmund again, even more intense, even more tense, like mentally. And then Chelsea, which is obviously a huge game. Guardiola's not going to want to lose that. Um, and then obviously Villa after that is kind of, it comes back to the Premier League a bit. But those like it's not just about the Leeds game; it's about Dortmund, and it's also about Chelsea. And it just it just makes sense to rest these players against yeah. Leeds. And uh, and again, look, if City were like one point clear, he wouldn't have made that many changes. There was a bit of a there's well, there's a big gap, which is why he he, he risked, risked it. And like we said before, he risked it against West Ham. Like arguably, the team against West Ham, the performance against West Ham was even worse. Um, he risked it against Fulham, but it's fine to take that risk because it's calculated because. The gap's massive. If the gap was one point, two points, three points, maybe even four or five, he wouldn't have done it. But it's like, well, seventeen what was it? It was still fourteen points, wasn't it? So yeah, so it was fourteen points after the game. It's down to eleven. Everyone's thinking it's going to be eight already, and United are going to win all their games again. But it's well, just... I just I want to address this a little bit as well because oh, um, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. I'm I, I'm still on the calm side of the page. Don't don't worry about that. No, I know. Um, just, no, the, the the getting carried away about United's form <laughs> is the is the bit about this that like annoys me the most. I don't get it. Well, there are, I saw the reaction online. There are people who are nervous about the title after this weekend. Um, mm. United win their game in hand and it's eight points behind with six games left. And mm. there's a lot of City fans saying, where have we heard that before? But there is one massive key difference to that to this <laughs> running and to, to City's running in 2012. It's that they don't play each other. The, the, one of the reasons why it made City's chance to overhaul United in 2012 easier was the fact yeah. that they had the opportunity to directly take points off United. United don't have that opportunity with City. City just need 11 points from the from the remaining games. That's it. So calm down, everybody. Yeah, and also like City's own form. What was it? Lost two games in 30? Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, it's like, doing all right. Lost, lost to United. And look, obviously, if the City had beaten United, the gap would be even bigger. Fine. But lost to United, won the next six games in a row. There was there was no element of... Because this is another thing. People have been saying, oh, well, they lost to Leeds now. So the mentality is going to be really bad and it's going to really hurt them. It's like, really? Like they lost to United with a full-strength team and then they just carried on as if nothing had happened. Like, so why why would the second string losing against Leeds make any difference? Yeah. And, I, and like also that kind of ignores the fact that they might be thinking, right, come on, let's, let's show them what we've got kind of thing. Um, but whatever happens against Dortmund happens against Dortmund and they're in a better position because the players are, aren't knackered. It's yeah. simple as that for me. And if they well, go out, they go out. But it's not because of what happened against Leeds. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, let's talk about Wednesday's game um, because, I mean, interestingly, like you say, the second string at the weekend, this team kind of picks itself now, doesn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, interesting. That's kind of the article I'm working on today, Monday, as we speak. Just a little kind of, what is what is the team going to be? Um, I th- I think it's, well, I think it's pretty obvious, given the changes at the weekend, who is going to play. Uh, so I think we can go, we can run through just, oh, just the players on the bench and we'll come to the others. Um, Edison, Walker, most likely, Diaz, Rodri, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Mahrez and Foden. And that's eight. Um, I th- I th- like with there's a Laporte- couple, couple of places up for grabs sort of thing. Yeah, but not, not even that, because I think with Laporte not being in the squad, Stones is probably going to play, although that's an interesting one which we, we could come back to. Um, you've then got Cancelo versus Zinchenko, and then it would be, in my mind anyway, Bernardo versus Jesus. And I think Jesus had a big opportunity, actually, on Saturday. I don't think... Look, if, even if Sterling had scored a hat-trick, maybe that would have got him into the squad. But I, I still think Pep was thinking it's going to be Foden and Mahrez. But for whatever reason, I, I think that Jesus had a big chance to get himself into the team instead of Bernardo. But I don't think he did enough to do it. So if I had to guess, I'd say it would be Bernardo. And then that leaves me with Zinchenko against Cancelo. And now this is very interesting because it's not just as easy as picking one man. And it, it ties together so many... Well, I mean, it ties together what I was saying right back in January when, and even before when Laporte obviously lost his place. And I said, maybe when it comes to a Champions League game, if he's playing as well as Stones and Diaz, Laporte will need to come in just for having the left foot. And that's part of it as well. But yeah, well, th- I mean, I would, let, let's look at the defence here because let's say, let's say he does pick uh, Cancelo over Zinchenko and he goes with Stones and Diaz as the partnership. They've got four defenders there who are all right-footed then. Yeah. Um, and it might not feel like a big thing, but but Guardiola was speaking recently about uh, that that kind of left foot right foot balance in uh, in one of the pre, uh, pre match press conferences. Um, I've clipped it up. This is what he had to say. Yeah, of course we don't have left foot to pass the ball to wider or to winger quicker with a natural natural foot. That's true. That's true. But in that game we need a specific Ruben in that position with John, and that's why you you use it. We win for another aspects and other positions and other situations. But reviewing the game, the game from Joao and um, and Rodri was not easy. Were not easy for them. So when they play, they play more than well. They won't expect when I watching the game, because the line, the the position for the attacking midfielders and the, and especially in Rechan, the the holding midfielder jam a lot and quick was not easy. So, but in general, watching the game, we were more than decent game for the Champions. They were better than them. Uh, we create enough chances to 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 win for more margin, and um, we did many many good things, um, and we won the game. I said to the players, focus on win that game, and next season, next season, <laughs> next week. Sorry, we are going to to travel to Germany to do the same to win the game. Yeah, after the the same defense, I think played against Gladbach. Um, after that game, you mentioned how you had Bernardo and Riyad and Phil Foden. And, Lots of left-footed guys for the extra pass. Is is that something that's maybe more important instead of having a left-foot guy there or a right-foot guy somewhere? No, having it's overall, not, no, it's not for the left or right. So there are every player has his own quality, specific quality, and there are players that they are in incredible position to go movements in behind, runs in behind, and there are other players that they have the quality to don't lose the ball any other circumstances, any under circumstances. So they are good. Keeping keeping the ball, and sometimes in some games we need this more than the other situations. So the game we're going to play maybe tomorrow is we need another type of game, and the game in Dortmund we will need another type of game. And with that situation, some players suit better for the way we have to play than the other ones, but just for the skills, not for being a bad form or. Or whatever. So that was Guardiola speaking. It was in between the uh, Dortmund first leg and uh, the Leeds game on Saturday. Um, I, I mean, the, the interesting aspect of this, Sam, is that I kind of get the feeling from that that he's not against picking four right footers across the back, but it maybe doesn't give him what he wants. Yeah, um, 
it, it's it's confusing, isn't it? And I, it could go down a few different rabbit holes. And there's a there's a few different things to consider. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think how to in terms of explaining it easily. I, it's not always been the case, but generally, obviously, I think we've talked about how City's back four turns into a back three when they've got the ball. And obviously, one of the fullbacks goes into midfield alongside Rodri. And then obviously, if it's Cancelo or Zinchenko in a different way, they can then join the attack when City are up towards the final third. And then obviously, that leaves the three centre-backs back there. And I think that worked especially well in kind of January, February time when it was Cancelo at right back. Diaz and Stones, and Zinchenko at left-back. So then Zinchenko could be the left-sided of those three centre-backs that are spread out across the pitch. And obviously Cancelo would go into midfield next to Rodri for the build-up and then get further up the pitch as a City attack. Um, But then when Guardiola was changing things round a bit, he would generally bring in, again, this wasn't always the case, but it seemed to be more often than not that he would bring in Walker and Laporte because obviously that wasn't Laporte playing left back obviously he did a Burnley but if you forget that it was so Walker could come in um, and Laporte could play on the left side of that back three but then the issue was it was kind of different because whether it being Walker he wasn't you know getting into midfield and doing the same kind of job as Cancelo. So what that shows us is it doesn't always have to be an inverted midfielder coming in and and going up the pitch and there's different ways. But what it does show most of all, I would say, is that generally, generally, it's not always been the case, but generally, probably more than 90% of games, he's wanted a left footer on that left side of that, what is a back three. And it's either Zinchenko um, or it's Laporte. Or it's Laporte, yeah. But a couple of times, and very rarely, but one of them was last week against Dortmund. It was Diaz, and I mean there was there was one incident highlighted on Twitter. I think it was by Man City Tactics on Twitter. Um, he highlighted how Diaz. We talked about those, you know, when we talked about Laporte coming in instead of Stones because things just happened a bit quicker. And Guardiola mentioned it in the start of that clip there. Diaz just took an extra second, split second, to get the ball under control and find his option, but he lost it on the halfway line. And it was a really different, difficult situation for City to deal with that they got away with. But it's that kind of thing. So if you put in, and this is where then it gets a bit complicated because it's not just about, kind of as Guardiola was saying, um, it's not just about, oh yeah, he's left-footed or what this and that. It's, it's form as well because I think on balance, if I was picking the team just on balance and my understanding of the team, which is obviously a lot less than Guardiola's, you would pick... Cancelo at right back, so he can go into midfield and, and attack. And Zinchenko on the at left back, so he can take up that left sided role. And there's a good balance there, and it's fine. But the issue, obviously, is Cancelo is not playing particularly well. I thought after the first game that he might lose his place, not because because basically he gave the ball away a few stupid times, and Zinchenko often gives the ball away because in the same way that De Bruyne does, he's, he's um, trying to probe for openings. So if you're like the most creative players in the Premier League, the ones with the most assists and chances created are also the ones that give the ball away the most, same as like the dribblers. Um, but Cancelo's kind of similar in that, in that he's always pushing. But he wasn't doing that against Dortmund. He was just playing kind of medium risk passes when City obviously weren't playing that game. They were they were trying to keep things a, a bit calmer. And like there were simple passes on, but he tried to, you know, switch the play or, or go 20 yards and in the air. And he got cut out. And I thought, I'm not sure Guardiola's going to like that. And then obviously he didn't play particularly well against Leeds. He wasn't great for the first Leeds goal. And then in the second half, when Leeds barely attacked, he gave away a free kick uh, in the corner down like by the City box. And Guardiola was so livid. Like shouted up in the air, shouted at Cancelo, chucked a water bottle. Because obviously that's like, that's a stupid tackle against a team that aren't attacking. Don't give them an opportunity to attack. And obviously Leeds aren't even good at set pieces. Yeah. Like, no, don't, don't imagine what it was like that. if it was a team who was it was good at set pieces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like I kind of feel like Zinchenko. Uh, sorry, like Cancelo might have lost his place just through his own form. But then it's not just as easy as putting Zinchenko in at left back, because then it might be the case that Diaz has to go over, because Zinchenko would then be the one who goes into midfield if it's Walker at right back, because Walker in midfield he has done it. But I think Zinchenko's better there, and he can support the attack quite well. Um, but then obviously you've got the three right-footers 
in the back three again. And that we talked about those small margins before with Laporte maybe coming in and Guardiola mentioned it there. And he said, look, Diaz was good and they, they won for other reasons, but I'm not sure if you I'm not sure if he'd want to take that risk. So look, Guardiola might well have a very clear idea of what he wants to do. But in terms of our job and guessing what he is going to do, look, we ran through the other nine, maybe ten starters easily. But I think this one is is very interesting. And you've also got the element of like maybe Laporte, but Laporte might be injured. Like, I've not actually been able to find out. I was going to say a couple of questions on that. Is Laporte actually fit? Because uh, obviously not included in the squad at all against Leeds. And then Stones played the whole 90 minutes against Leeds. Does that affect anything? Um, I think Laporte, I guess Laporte would have played um, at, at the weekend, but he was injured. Guardiola said he had a problem with his hips, I think he said. Um, so I mean God knows you know, is that six months or is it six days or six hours I th- um, so that's kind of I, I, speaking Monday afternoon I, I've not even asked anybody yet but we'll have to try and keep an eye on that one hopefully I'll get a better idea in the next 24 hours but Guardiola will be doing a press conference anyway so it would be interesting obviously if if Laporte does come back in because it'd be one of those where it might mean dropping Stones and to be fair Stones wasn't great for either leader's goals Um but I, st- I would still say it'd be very harsh to drop stones, but it might be one of those decisions that needs to be made. Um, even though Laporte's got quite a bad record in Champions League quarterfinals for mistakes, hasn't he? But I think he's been good recently. <laughs> I thought he was really good against Leicester. He's done as much as he can do, given he lost his place in the team. Guardiola didn't like his reaction and he stayed out of the team for a lot. But since he's come back in, he's done really well. So if he was fit, I would be tempted. Just like I say, in my relatively limited understanding of this City team I'd be tempted to play Laporte for that left footed option but like Guardiola said like they won for other reasons and there's other things they can do um, and also he might just come up with something else he, they might not use that back three um, obviously the left footer is going to be important wherever he would play but in the second half against Dortmund he kind of kept it as a as more of a normal back four and obviously Cancelo wasn't left footed either but it just it just kind of help stop that problem a little with with Diaz being there. So either oh, he's going to, I don't know, keep Cancelo or right back, not play Walker, but then you're missing out on Walker's kind of pace and physicality and strength of dealing with counter-attacks. But then, and then you put Zinchenko at left back. But if you do play Walker, then Zinchenko has to go into midfield and he's not the left side of centre-back. And then you could go with Laporte, but maybe he's not fit. And who would you be dropping? Like, it, it's... It's a very interesting one. And like, you know, it might, this might have been a waste of 10 minutes. Maybe Guardiola's got a very good idea what he's going to do. It's going to be something completely different. Um, and it won't matter. But in terms of working out what the team might be, I, I, I think it's pretty interesting. And I do think the others kind of picked themselves. I know some people wanted Fernandinho to play after the first leg. I always thought that was quite unlikely. Uh, and I think given the team selection against Leeds, I think we've probably got our answer on that one. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, what do you reckon to that? Uh, well, the fact that, again, um, did Fernandinho play 90? He did, and he dropped into centre-back. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I... I, I mean, my, my big worry about Dortmund is the fact that from that first leg, it felt like City were very much trying to control the game and they weren't able to control it as well as they controlled other games. And that's purely because of, of how good and how dangerous Dortmund were on the break. And there were very, there were quite a few times where it felt like Dortmund were quite happy for City to have the ball, knowing that they could steal it in various places, like you were saying with the Cancelo stuff. Um, and I, I, I do feel I, I'm really torn because I do feel like I want City to go into this second leg with the sensible hat on and not take too many risks because they have got a, a lead and it's a narrow lead, but. I'm not convinced that you change too much about City. It carries on working. I think I think you kind of have to carry on playing. Like he's not going to go there and set up his team to go all out defend. So why why change too much? Why not stick with what they're good at? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just trying to think in the context of this. Who plays at left back slash left centre back? I don't think it would be changing too much because I think he's got to a situation over the last couple of months where you know Walker and and Laporte can come back into the team. Yeah. Um, and like they have been a bit of a pairing, so maybe if Laporte were fit, obviously this might be, a, again, a pointless conversation because maybe he's not going to play and Guardiola knows this and it's as simple as that. But And also I feel like this is doing what they're good at. But um, that, and that, that's kind of the issue. You know, doing what they're good at involves having somebody who's left-footed over on that that left side. So, yeah. My, I, my, I was, God, I my God instinct of, would be to take Stones out and put Laporte back in if he's fit. 
That, that Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tempted with that as well. Just in the name of, well, it's the Champions League, they've got a yeah. great squad and, you know, you've got to make tough decisions. Like, that makes sense to me. And that, like um, you I'm, said, that's not a slight on John Stones and how no, he's played no, this season. I, it's I don't, just I, how yeah. it is. Yeah. But again, um, Guardiola did his best to say, you know, I'm not going to pick somebody because of a, a left foot or whatever. It's it's situations and all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, it's, I think we've had a good deep dive on this. And Dom, who was asking the questions, he did an article on this for The Analyst. I think the website's called from Perform. And obviously Man City Twitter has been talking about this and we've talked about it before. And I think it's a good, quite detailed tactical chat. But compared to what Guardiola's got, having, you know, with his, with his coaches... It's nothing. So I'm sure there are answers there. But I'm, I was just interested in the Rodri one because you know Guardiola said Rodri and Cancelo. Did he say it was a difficult game for them? And I mean, is is right? But I wonder if he meant poor because Rodri did give the ball away a couple of times, didn't he? Like, yeah. like he did well, in the last minute against Gladbach. He did it a couple of times against Dortmund, and that's why fans were thinking. Well, certainly fans on the Q and A were thinking, "Oh, Fernandinho next game." But I just thought that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, my gut instinct is that Rodri will he'll play Rodri on his own. Um, yeah, and, and again, I think we saw that from the game against Leeds, didn't we? Yeah. And also with Fernandinho, in terms of giving the ball away, when he got booked in the last minute against Leeds after City had already gone 2-1 down, it was him who gave the ball away and had to chase back and commit the foul on Rafinha. So, <laughs> and, and again, for Leeds' first goal, I think the run... Dallas ran off the back of Fernandinho and he didn't actually spot that danger, which is the one thing. Like as much as he was so good driving forward, he's so good on the ball and he's so good at winning the ball back and everyone knows I'm a big fan of Fernandinho. But like the one thing you would say that he's got instead of Rodri is that sixth sense of just knowing where everything is and shutting yeah, things down. Where, where the fires like, are going to be. It, did, it, it didn't actually happen on Saturday either. So, But I mean, look, the fact that Fernandinho played 90 minutes and Rodri got a rest kind of goes, as, goes to show who's going to actually play there. Yeah, what else do you think he, he's going to want to tweak from that first leg? Because, as I said, uh, Dortmund were dangerous. City City controlled the ball a lot, but still Dortmund had more chances than most teams get against City. And, and it's it might mm. just be down to the fact that Dortmund have got better players than most of the teams. Yeah, that, I think that so. City I, don't think it's a pers- I, I don't think it could be a personnel thing either. Like, look, if we're talking tactical or structural or whatever, then I'm not going to be able to, to give a fantastic answer. Um I'm, I'm trying to think where the issues were really. God, it feels so long ago now. The Leeds <laughs> game took up so so much kind of energy and effort and emotion. I just think without that, because there was a good Edison save from Haaland, um, and then the the goal itself was. I mean, that was when Roger gave the ball away. Wasn't yeah, Roger gave the ball away, and I think it was uh, was it Walker who stepped up. I can't. I don't know. Actually, I someone, someone stepped up. Yeah, someone stepped up and like the run in behind, and Haaland turned and played it first time. Well, I know Walker did that for the for the Royce goal. Like when Stones kind of stepped out slowly, really, I think, in my opinion, to, to Haaland. And then when the ball went into Haaland, Walker, I don't know, he just kind of stayed where he was rather than tucking in or dropping off or both. Um, and obviously that gave Royce a bit of space. Um, but I don't know, like, I was, so I was looking at the very few times that City conceded counter-attacks against Leeds on Saturday in, when, when they had 10 men to try and see if there was anything that they were doing wrong to let that happen. Um, and like, it didn't, it didn't seem to be anything obvious to me anyway. And, and again, like a coach like Guardiola would be able to look at one where like Sterling tried to play a through ball through to, to Torres, but he got cut out. And then the players weren't, as, like the City players weren't especially close. I can't remember who won the ball for Leeds. I'm guessing it might have been Robin Cock just positionally, but I can't remember. They weren't close enough to him to win the ball back. and he. But then he actually played a really good pass. So sometimes, you know, when City score goals, we don't look at the opposition or even like neutrals don't look at the opposition and go, well, that was a mistake. You just say, well, that's what City are good at. And, you know, they exploited those little spaces. And that seemed, seemed to be the case with the Leeds one. So with that one, whoever it was from Leeds, I can't remember, just had a bit of time because City weren't quite close enough to them. And he played a good pass, and I think it was down to Rafinha, and they got out that way. But at the same time, like City not being close enough to them, I don't. Like, was was the mistake from from Sterling because it seemed like what City actually needed was to take advantage of those opportunities to play a pass through the line. And Sterling tried it, and it just seemed to me like Leeds took advantage. Yeah. The interesting thing was for the goal, it came from a Meslier throw out to the left wing, and Cancelo put a bit of pressure on, but didn't win the ball and. That seems very similar to how Shaw scored against City for United. 
But again, I'm no coach. And as much as I'd like to take some coaching badges when COVID's over, so I can have a better answer on this. Like, I haven't spotted that. that, but that it's, yeah, it's almost is the that same a specific goal, isn't thing? It? Exactly. And I'm thinking, but is that something Dortmund can do? Can Dortmund say, if City has switched off, chuck the ball out to the left? I mean, maybe. Maybe. But... Um, but it was both Cancelo. Maybe he won't play anyway. So like, I'm, I'm trying to look for things. I'm, I'm trying to look for things that, that kept happening against Leeds for those counter attacks to happen. And like I say, the last one was Fernandinho. He tried to pass to the left, and he and he got cut out. And like that that Harland chance in the first leg that Edison made the good save on. I think that was just Rodri playing a poor pass under pressure. But I need to have a proper look at that again. And even even then, I might not be able to work out well enough why he played that pass. It's a bit like his pass in the last minute against Gladbach. Like, why did why did he play that? Like, it, there wasn't anything structural that City had done wrong. I don't think he just, just had a bit of a brain fart yeah. at that moment. Um, and I, yeah, sometimes maybe it's it's pressure and the fact that you know Dortmund play very well and they didn't press high up the pitch. But as soon as you know, it was that kind of mid block. I think you'd call it. Where, as soon as City kind of got into the into the Dortmund half, then then they kind of put a bit of pressure on and and made it difficult. So I like I don't think there's much that City would do. And like, I think the funny thing is we've talked, God, laborious perhaps length for forty five minutes about the kind of team that City will pick, but we've not even we've not even considered the possibility that Guardiola's going to try something mad. <laughs> like we're all thinking, well, these nine, ten are definitely going to play, and then oh yeah, it might be this at left back or my, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't think he's going to do something that makes everybody look at the team and think what is going on. He is due um, one of them though, isn't he? He's not done that for a while. <laughs> no, I know. Well, I know. I mean, it, maybe. I mean, maybe we'll just pick the same team that played against Leeds. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine, can you imagine? Uh, that? Then my head would fall off. I promise you that one on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's finish this week, Sam, uh, by taking a few other general topics uh, because uh, Sergio Aguero missed out against Leeds uh, with injury. Um, it's honestly quite horrible for me to see the end of his City career in this way. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Um, because people, whether people have decided that obviously the time has come and he needs to move on or it's a disgrace and he should be offered another contract because of you know everything he's done for City... It's it's sad because every City fan loves him. Like I've literally not met one City fan or spoke to one City fan who doesn't like Aguero, whether they think they should go or stay. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, the fact that he wasn't in the squad at the weekend again, I think some people still believe that there's a a row with Guardiola, and obviously the the reason given was an injury. I think he posted some. Did he post a video? I, I don't know if he posted it, but I was I was sent one anyway of him doing push-ups, but he had a knee brace on. So, you know, that it might have been related to that. I hadn't seen um, that, but I was for one brief moment, I was really fearing that you were going to say, he, he put a video on social media of him sprinting around his garden going, I'm not injured. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, no, I thought that when he was doing the press-ups, I was like, is this some kind of mad message thing? Like, I'm not injured kind of thing. But he did have the knee brace on, so I thought, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, but um, a little bit on the Agro situation. So last week I was kind of spelling out the situation as far as I'd, I'd heard in terms of, He'd been expecting it since January and, you know, people, people, did I make the distinction between people close to him and people who are actually in his camp and people close to him who had spoken to him about it and, and this kind of thing, know what he was thinking and stuff, thought, no, no, he's all right. Um, he's going to, he, you know, he wants to go abroad, new challenge, inter, and obviously, and I was saying his, his people are more like, actually, no, you know, he's, he's really pissed off with Guardiola. Uh, it could go anywhere in the Premier League. He wouldn't be betraying anybody if he left. I, I said I didn't believe that argument that he's not happy with Guardiola and he'd go to the Premier League. I just thought, I, I can't see it. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't tally with what I've heard. But also, well, I was going to say we did the podcast, he wouldn't. and then like it was the stories of the day after the podcast were just Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea all the time. Yeah, and I, I mean, I still don't think that's going to happen. Um, but what I, I think I did say on the podcast last week. 
the thing that interests me about that scenario of his his camp saying he's not happy with Guardiola is if that's not true, why are they saying it? Like, what's the point? Like, do they really want to? Like, and if they're, they're saying it to journalists as well, so it's not something that they don't want out there. Like, why would they want Aguero to go out after ten years with this backdrop of problems with Guardiola? So it did make me think. Why? Why are we hearing this? Um, but I'm I'm now more inclined to to believe it that he isn't happy. Um, just a bit more information I got over the weekend. It, it sound it sound it sounds like he is a bit pissed off with how it's been handled, and I can't tell you that in full confidence because I don't know. It, 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 there's something. There's always something going on with Aguero, and I mean, even if there hadn't been this stuff now. I'll always remember that time when he signed that new contract and it didn't get announced for like 18 months. And it was, honestly, I can't tell you how much weird <laughs> stuff behind the scenes there was about, like, yes or no, has Aguero signed a new contract? And it, you just couldn't get a straight answer out of anyone. And it wasn't like he was, yes or no, has Aguero agreed a contract with PSG? It's, is he staying at City? It was, so, it was so weird and so needlessly obtuse. But was that, was that 2016? forever. Was that around yeah, about? Was, was yeah. that when Guardiola arrived, and there was the the stories were all that he's not Actually, a Guardiola no, I think it was, type striker? Or uh, no, that was later, and obviously with that, that was just very much a case of Guardiola thinking, well, he doesn't run enough for us, and he's not making the right kind of runs, so we might get rid of him if he doesn't improve. And that was and that was Aguero himself and his people kind of saying off the record and sometimes in interviews. Um, it's not up to me. I want to stay at City, but it's not up to me. We'll see at the end of the season, kind of thing. And behind the scenes, it was you know Guardiola's forcing him out. This is bullshit, kind of stuff. Which is the same, exactly the same kind of thing we've gone back to now. So yeah, it's all the 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 Aguero thing has always been weird. There's always been like I I know very much. I remember when we did the Blue Moon podcast live at the end of Guardiola's second season, maybe the Centurion season. Yeah, because it was yeah. after the parade, and a bloke kind of stood up at the back. Well, I was talking about the Aguero situation and how it had changed and improved over that season. He kind of, I think he embodied a lot of City fans in in thinking and saying, this is all bullshit. It's been dreamt up by the media. There was never a problem. He was never going to leave. And it's not fine. And I don't, like I, that. as far as I'm concerned, that is done. Or whenever people bring up the kind of Aguero and Guardiola issues in the past now to explain his current situation, I've always said, Guardiola disrespects what, Guard, what, what Aguero did to submit himself to what Guardiola wanted, to do it, to keep scoring goals and to become a better player and to be so important for the team. You know, that that's irrelevant now, but it's, it still seems to be lingering, this Guardiola thing. Like, whether it's true or not, the story that Aguero is annoyed with Guardiola for for the handling of this, like, it's coming from his people again. And, yeah, like I say, over the weekend, I'm a bit more inclined to believe it. I don't think... I'm. I'm not going to say the move to Chelsea is on because ironically, um, what can I say? I, I I don't think there's many Premier League clubs he'd move to. Um, maybe by area or by rivalry. So even if he is annoyed with Guardiola and apparently now with the club. Um, he wouldn't up sticks to United. He wouldn't up sticks to Liverpool. I, I, no, he's not, no, he's not going to go United. He's not going to go... Yeah, Liverpool not going to go Arsenal for argument's sake. Like I can't actually tell you whether he's going to go Chelsea or not. I, I still don't think so. Um, but it is interesting that this stuff is, I don't know, I mean, driven seems to be one of those pejorative words when we talk about agents and stuff. And obviously it can either be driven by the media or driven by agents depending on which side of the fence you're on. Um, but yeah, this kind of stuff is, you know, there's one place it's coming from. And I don't think it's coming from Chelsea either, actually, which is weird. I'm not sure if... I'm sure they're looking into it. And I'm sure, you know, they'd, they'd consider it. But I, at the end of the day, fundamentally, I still don't believe it, it's going to happen. I still don't believe he's going to go to another Premier League team. Um, but with everything that's kind of coming out from from his people... And nobody's... I don't think anybody's actually gone to print with it yet in terms of him being annoyed. Obviously, there's been a lot of he could go to Chelsea. But there's not been a lot of he's annoyed, say, his people... But it, it it is floating around there. I'm not. I wouldn't talk for five ten minutes making this up. There's too much to, <laughs> to think about to make up. Um, yeah. But yeah, fundamentally, I still think. Uh, I still think that he's um, not going to move to another Premier League team. Leeds um, might be an interesting option. Well, yeah, Leeds was the one that's that was been mentioned, floated, doesn't it? And it has, yeah. And also, so so with that, 
with Leeds, he could stay. Uh, he could stay in his his current place. He wouldn't have to move area in the UK. Um, and it's like he's not gonna he's not gonna stay in his house and move to United. Like I say, he's not gonna stay in his house and move to Liverpool. Um, I mean, Leeds has been mooted, but again, like even even if he's open to staying in the Premier League, he's open to staying in his house and not moving. I don't like. Could they? I don't know. Could they make that happen? I mean, maybe you know they pushed the boat out to get Bielsa, but in terms of the pure finances of it, I'm not sure. Um, Barca, Barca was obviously one that's been going around for ages, and that's like I say, I still think that's an option. Inter does seem to be an option as well, um, and I think it it might have swung more towards towards the other way now. So you know, when a few months ago we were like, God, imagine. Aguero and Messi were playing together next season, but it was for Barca rather than City. I think that's more <laughs> likely now than. Yeah. Oh, well, obviously it is more likely because we know for a fact that that Aguero is not staying. But also, if you had to ask me today, I don't think Messi's coming either. I think that might be done now. I was going to say, yeah. uh, in terms of updates for replacement, I could be have, wrong, you got, right? have you got anything on us for for Messi, Haaland, and Mbappe? Maybe. Uh, see, where City themselves were kind of City sources, should we say, were playing down Mbappe a few weeks ago. Um, so the only kind of little whispers since last week are, like I say, I, I, I'm not convinced on Messi, but I need to check it out. Like if I was 100% sure, I'd have, I'd have written it over the weekend, I think. I'd have said, look, it's not happening now. Get used to it. I need to check it out. Um, but Haaland was... Uh, De Bruyne signed a new contract last week. Uh, and part of that... Well, part of that was the analysis of his own game which he kind of commissioned from the from the data teams and we've got an article on that which is worth checking out it, I've seen that report and it's fascinating um, I text you I actually say- with the with the De Bruyne uh, announcement because um, I, I remember I remember quite distinctly having that discussion on the messy podcast about how um, how the how the idea of breaking the entire wage structure had upset De Bruyne while he was in the contract negotiations, and yeah. my my first thought was like you know if he if he signed this deal now, then has he had assurances that they're not going to break the wage structure for for a, a player like Messi like Haaland in the in the summer? Well, um, so the interesting thing with that is, so there's the whole, there's the whole data side of it, and just to go back to when we had this discussion about. De Bruyne's contract and I was running through this story from January which wasn't mine like I said it was Christophe's story um, and he published it you know in in Belgium that uh, De Bruyne wasn't happy with the offer and he's not happy because he knows that um, you know City was saying they could afford Messi so he's thinking well you can afford me then um, and I, I, I was then able to confirm that independently that he'd been complaining to a, a Belgium teammate about that Um and that's part of the reason why, you know, when City made him that offer, which was worth overall less than he's actually on, and he was annoyed, obviously, because I think he would be, and also because of the messy thing. That's then when he got the data guys involved to to say, can you show these guys some data to say that, well, I deserve I deserve what I'm asking for. And also, you know, part, part of the, the data analysis they had done was City are this percentage likely to win the Champions League based on our calculations. And these teams are this likely to win the Champions League based on our calculations. And if Kevin went to these teams, this is how much more likely they would be to win it. And this is how much less likely City are to win it. So there was stuff like that in it. And obviously in the end, um, City did make him a bigger offer and everyone's happy because also that part of that data just convinced De Bruyne that he was at the right place. It didn't yeah. actually come back and say, you're better off a Bayern Munich, mate, or whatever. So um, so yeah, he always wanted to say, like we said, but he needed to to overcome that little... Well, negotiation with City, uh, which people didn't like hearing at the time, but it's basically fact now. Everybody's everybody knows that's the case. Um, so there's that. But then to go back to your question, from the sounds of it, and I, this is even less sure um, than the other. Well, in fact, so I've had two kind of half inklings on Messi, which is why I, I can't really put them together to a story yet. But one of them is it doesn't seem to have come up too much in contract renewal talks recently. So players discussing contracts with the team and saying, well, who are we signing? I don't think Messi's come up in those conversations to answer your question, but Haaland has. But I can't tell you if Haaland came up in conversation a month ago, two months ago, or a week ago, because obviously De Bruyne only signed it last, I think it was last Monday he agreed it and Wednesday it was announced. And he'd 
they they'd had a big breakthrough in talks the week before. So it was it was only about a week ago that this all happened. Um, but I, I can't tell you if Haaland came up as a concrete target that recently or ages ago, and they've since changed their mind. But he was one of the ones they were talking about, and there were others as well, because obviously it's not just, well, this is just how City work. They don't just have one target. They have, they have one that they kind of go after as priority, but obviously if it doesn't happen, then there will be others they'll look at. Um, would, would you expect no, so, that in, in that case as well, if if, if it's not Haaland, if, if, if it's not Mbappe, there is somebody that they're looking at for this summer based on the fact that, uh, I, like, I mean, in your story, you'd said that uh, um, one of the things that convinced De Bruyne who was at the right place was they were talking their targets for this summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he's like, well, I want to win the Champions League. What are we going to do about it? And obviously part of it is this season, just do it with the squad they've got. But, you know, how are we going to stay at the top? Because, you know, De Bruyne has given the rest of his top-level career, really, to City now. And at the same time, obviously, City have committed to have him for his, his final years. And maybe when he's 33, he won't be as good as he is now or whatever. Um, so it's a two-way street there. But obviously, De Bruyne said, right, how serious are we? And they've said, well, you know, th- these are the plans kind of thing. Um, and all, all I know is Haaland was one of those. So I'm not saying they told... They told De Bruyne they're 100% signing Haaland and it's going to be fine. But it's it's just interesting that his name came up, whereas I don't think, I don't think Messi's did. Yeah. So like, so that that might be where they're at with that. But obviously that doesn't mean City are any closer to Haaland kind of thing. But it, it's interesting that if it was recent, if, it, you know, if this conversation was two weeks ago, then, uh, and also if they, if that was off the table now, this is just kind of pie in the sky thinking, but if Haaland was suddenly off the table, it obviously wasn't enough, hypothetically, for De Bruyne to say, forget it, I'm not signing the new contract. Yeah, so um, there's a, there's, there is a contingency there. Yeah, there, there's a contingency for sure, because he was told about other players as well. But it's, yeah, it's just interesting that um, it might not necessarily mean that obviously Guardiola's big press conference speech about not signing strikers, you know, he doesn't tally completely with what De Bruyne was told. And I, I'd be more inclined to believe they were telling the truth to De Bruyne rather than telling the truth to the media kind of thing but yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not saying Haaland's any closer than we, we seem to think it is it might be God. but I've, I've flipped again here now so last, after last week's podcast I was I was convinced that said the ship sailed for Haaland and now I'm thinking they might actually pull this off I, I don't know talking to you seems to change my mind every week that's what it is <laughs> yeah but I'm like a candle in the wind I keep like, I've, I've no idea from one week to the other so that, there's no point in aggregating me anymore because it just keeps changing. So. <laughs> uh, right, well, that brings us to an end of this week's Why Are Us. I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much for listening. And I, well, I was going to say enjoy the game on Wednesday. I can't imagine anyone's going to actually enjoy it, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm annoyed it's not Tuesday. I feel like I'm just used to the Saturday-Tuesday thing. Uh, this extra 24 hours is no good for anyone. No, it's good that it's Wednesday because uh, Tuesday oh, I've okay. got a whole I've got a whole load of things planned and a haircut. So I'm finally going to have my uh, my hair back to a normal. <laughs> You're not going to have a haircut I mean, at eight o'clock, surely? No, no, no. But it means I, I'm going to be I'm going to be well prepared. When you hit for this the game. town in celebration, yeah. <laughs> you'll be looking smart. <laughs> That's the I, thing. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, uh, you can sign up to the Athletic right now for three pounds ninety nine a month for six months. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic.